Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Well, it's a privilege to be here this morning. Great to see you guys. It's been a few weeks since I've got a chance to be here, but uh, super honored and just so excited for Pastor Adam and Liz and Baby Hope. Man, really, really special. Um, I know we've we've worshipped, we've prayed. I'm just going to pray for us as we start. Lord, I just thank you for your presence in this place, and I thank you for the people that you've divinely assigned to be gathered today, Lord, to lift up your great name. And Lord, I believe to be entrusted with and empowered with your word today. So just pray that you'd anoint it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, There's a couple guys back in 1919 that became best friends in the city of Kansas City. They were both 18 years old. And uh, as a lot of um, young adults, if they got ambitions and dreams and ideas, they meet up, they'll start some businesses together. That was their plan, and uh, that did not go well. They started three or four, and all of them failed. Um, And so uh, good for them for sticking with it. But one of the companies that they started together was based on uh, drawing, artwork, animation. This was a new technology at the time. And uh, one of the partners, uh, his name was Ub Iwerks. Ub Iwerks. As a matter of fact, I know uh, Pastor Adam and Liz, if you guys had had a boy, I think Ub was one of the names you guys were... No, yeah, that's not true. Uh, so, but yeah, very unique name, Ub Iwerks. And I actually may have a picture of Ub. Um, this is Ub here. And uh, he and his business partner, after several failures, had a measure of success. They started a company called Laugh-O-Gram. And they would sketch these little animations that we would later call cartoons. And uh, he and his partner created one uh, that had some success, but his partner... Uh, through some really poor business dealings, obviously after several failures, maybe they weren't so great at the business part, uh, actually signed the rights away to their most successful cartoon, which was Oswald the Rabbit. And uh, so now, once that deal fell through and this business began to fail, all of the people working with them quit. And so now there they are, Kansas City, third or fourth business they've tried, and now they've lost all their work. And Ub decided to stick with his partner. And when everyone left, he decided to ride it out. And the two of them, in a moment of desperation, came up with this mouse character that Ub refined and refined and refined and created a character we now know as Mickey Mouse. And Ub designed and sketched the very, th- the very first three Mickey Mouse movies. The first one was called Steamboat Willie. And obviously his business partner, Walter, we know his name a little better as Walt Disney, they stuck it out. And this is how what we now know as Disney began because of multiple failures and a guy named Ub that wouldn't quit on his friend. Says that Ub would sketch up to 600 sketches a day to generate these first Mickey Mouse cartoons that ultimately provided the income to keep them afloat. 
and the rest is history. Now, here's what's so fascinating. Uh, how many of you just ever heard of Ub Iwerks? Has anybody ever even heard this name? What a unique name. And yet, how many of you have heard of Walt Disney, right? There's a, good, there's a chance maybe something on your person today has the name Walt Disney on it, even as you sit here today. Maybe a watch or whatever else. Our kids watch cartoons. What's so fascinating is a name that is so unique, none of us know. And his impact is still echoing throughout our culture and around the world, and none of us know his name. And the truth is... Oftentimes, God uses extraordinary people in extraordinary ways, and yet he keeps them hidden. And I believe it's a measure of God's grace. And what I feel that God put on my heart to share with you today is a message I'm calling Grace in Action. If you've got your Bibles or you've got a way uh, to open Scripture, maybe it's on an app, uh, whatever, would you go to Acts chapter 9? Acts chapter 9 is where I want to live today. And Acts 9 is a famous passage of Scripture uh, for those who are familiar. Uh, this is the story in Acts chapter 9 of the salvation experience of the Apostle Paul. And um, believe it or not, that's not what I'm going to talk about today, although we're going to reference it. Acts chapter 9, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about a lesser known character. In my parallel, we would say the Apostle Paul would be the Walt Disney character in my story. And the Ub Iwerks character, the behind the scenes guy, is a guy named Ananias. And that's who I feel like the Lord has put on my heart to highlight today. Acts chapter 9, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to start in verse 10, and I'm just going to read this quickly. I'm going to read verses 10 through 20 as quickly as I can. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. At the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. And a man named Ananias came in and laid his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Verse 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed. He entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. That's a quick introduction to the person Ananias that I want to talk about. But we got to zoom out a little bit because some things were referenced in Acts chapter 9 that we didn't read. I'm going to give you the quick version because I know you're ready for that. Saul is Paul. Same person. Why do they have two names? This often happens in Scripture. you got to remember, in Israel, these are Hebrew people, Jewish people, that are occupied by Rome. Rome is influenced by Greek culture. And so the languages, they would speak Greek, but these are Hebrew people. So his name in Hebrew is Shaul, which we translate Saul in English. 
but he also has a Greek name because though he's Hebrew and his mama named him Shaul, we call Saul, in society he would have been referred to with a Greek name, Paulus, which we say Paul in English. So Saul, Paul, exact same person. So if you see those names change, it's the same guy. The reason for that, it's a multicultural society. So uh, Saul has an encounter. Saul, at this point in, 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 in history, is a terrorist, essentially. He is a Jewish uh, person that is persecuting anyone who names Jesus as the Messiah. As a matter of fact, as we read, he gets permission from the high priest to be able to persecute people who follow the way. That's how Christianity was referred to at this time in history. And so he's going around finding Jewish people that have put their faith in Jesus the Messiah. He's persecuting them. And if you back up even another chapter, the first martyr, Stephen, is stoned to death while Saul, Paul, holds everyone's coats, right? He is there making sure, he's showing approval that we're going to kill these people that put their faith in Jesus because they are not being true to Torah. They're not following the Jewish scriptures as he understood it. So that's the lay of the land in Acts chapter 9. Jesus reveals himself. Saul's on his way to go persecute people in Damascus. God meets him with a flash of light. Some of you will remember the story. He's blinded, and he doesn't eat for three days. And God speaks to him and says, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And then says, wait, I'm going to send a guy named Ananias. He even tells him his name. How about that for specificity? And he says, he's going to come, and he's going to heal you. So Saul, Paul is waiting, blinded by this light. We, we pick up in Acts chapter 9, God speaks to a man named Ananias and tells him what he's supposed to do. Very few of us have heard of Ananias. As a matter of fact, there's very little written about Ananias in the Scripture beyond what we just read today. That might be everything there is to know for the most part about this man, Ananias. And yet, the impact he has is incredible, and I believe it's supposed to challenge us because I believe the Lord wants to do a similar thing in us. George Eliot wrote this in Middle March. The growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts. And that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. All of us who know Jesus or read the Bible, the New Testament, know who Paul is, Saul is. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Very few of us know who Ananias is. But can I tell you something? You would have no two-thirds of the New Testament if there had not been an Ananias who was willing to hear God's voice and go. And that's what I want to talk about for just a few moments. And there's five aspects that I want to draw out as we consider this idea of God's grace in action. And the first aspect I want to draw from Ananias' life is, number one, Ananias was a disciple, not just a believer. Let's look at Acts 9, the first verse we read, verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Well, we notice this is, this is his introduction to us. It's not just that he believed in Jesus, he was a disciple. Now, let's just be very, very clear. Belief is essential. If we don't believe in God, we don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, we don't believe he's the Savior, we really can't be used for his glory uh, in a dynamic way. We have to believe. But to be a disciple is one who comes under God's 
discipline, one who disciplines themselves in order to be used by him. Let me give you this example. Most all of us operate a motorized vehicle in some description each week. Whether you own a car, you rent a car, you catch an Uber, whatever. Someone drives you in a motor vehicle. Most of us would also agree, since we use them so often, it would be smart to know something about how they work, so that if something broke, we could fix it so we're not stranded because we really do rely on them a lot. Most of us believe that's very important. Can I get some consensus on that? We believe that's important. Now, not all of us have disciplined ourselves to know how to fix that car, and yours truly is a great example. I barely know where the gas goes, and I'm not joking. I think I almost put it in the back seat one time on accident. I barely know where it goes. I don't pay attention enough to really understand vehicles, but here's the truth. If you're stranded on the side of the road, are you want to call somebody who believes it's important to know something about cars or you want to call a disciple who knows something about cars to does that make sense at all right disciple is a step past belief belief is essential it's just not sufficient We've got to believe, but we take that belief and put it in action, which is what Ananias was. He was a disciple. He had come under the discipline. My wife is not with me today. She's serving at our church in Kannapolis today, uh, but she's a a, a Reebok-sponsored athlete. She is solid muscle. She runs marathons. She does amazing things. And sometimes in the evenings when I'm eating ice cream and she's doing handstand push-ups, I think, you know what? My life is not good. And something's wrong here, right? Because I probably need more of that. I believe that's helpful. She's disciplined herself. Does that make sense at all? So this is not a criticism, but it is a challenge. Ananias' business card, as we learn from the scriptures, he was a disciple. And I believe because he was a disciple, God chose him as a means of grace and action. We're going to look at that a little further. Remember Matthew 28, 19, great commission. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world. Make make disciples, not converts, not believers. Make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them all that I've commanded. So we need to come under his teachings to be able to be in his Uh, use of grace. Second thing I want to highlight today is Ananias was willing to make himself available to God. That same verse, Acts 9.10, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. That may not sound like the most profound statement in the world. Your version may say, you know, it's me or here I stand. Um, But you've got to remember in scripture, there's a pattern And these are Jewish people. And in the Hebrew scriptures, here I am is one word in Hebrew. It's hineni, hineni, which means one, behold, I am. But it also means I am totally available. Ananias' response when he heard God speak to his heart, when God said Ananias, he said hineni. What do you need, God? I'm fully available. Most disciples respond that way because they've submitted themselves to God's leadership. They say, God, what do you need from me? And that's what he's saying. And we see this as a pattern throughout scripture. When God spoke to Moses and and told him he had a mission for him, he said, hineni. When God spoke to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six, I I saw the Lord and the Lord said, who who will go for us? And Isaiah said, hineni. Behold, here I am. I am totally available. 
And Ananias makes himself totally available. And guys, if we're going to be God's grace in action, we need to be those that have come under his discipline, but we need to be those that are willing to make ourselves available. And we all know there's a big difference between being available and making yourself available. And if you don't understand this, next time you're moving, you will understand what I'm talking about. You'll find out there's a lot of people that are available, but not everybody makes themselves available, right? Because, you know, and we also know this, if you own a truck, you have to go into witness protection program because if people are moving, they're like, hey, buddy, you know, what you doing? You know, so because we know we need some help and not everybody may not make themselves available, but they might be available. And what God is wanting for us to do is say, Lord, it's not just that I'm here if you need me. Lord, put me in the game. And that's the difference. And if you feel like you're on the sidelines a bit, or you feel like in your faith, you're like, well, I just don't feel like I'm really activated. I don't feel like the Lord's doing much in my life. Can I tell you something? Make yourself available more than simply being available. Does that make sense? I want to challenge you with that. And I think we see that in Ananias' life because we are called to be grace in action. The third thing I want to draw out today is that Ananias wasn't afraid to be honest with God. I want to park here for just a second. Let's look at Acts 9, verses 13 and 14. To set that up, this is where God tells him what to do. There's a man named Saul from Tarsus that I need you to go minister to. That's what God said. Let's look at verse 13. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Ananias is a disciple. Ananias has made made himself available. But now God has said specifically, I want you to go to Saul from Tarsus. And Ananias is like, okay, well, actually, hold on just a second. I've heard of this guy. That's terrorist guy. That's terrorist guy that killed our friend Stephen. That's terrorist guy that has permission from the high priest to come to Damascus, to our community of believers where Ananias is from, and to arrest all of us. Ananias knows these things. Everyone knew who Saul of Tarsus was because he was the terrorist. I really want you to grab this. This is the weight of who Saul was. He is proactively going door to door, finding out who believes in Jesus and is dragging them out and arresting them, right? So Ananias knows exactly who Saul of Tarsus is. And he's like, put me in, God. I'm available. What do you want me to do? You know, and when God says, this is the guy I want you to go minister to, Ananias pumps the brakes a little bit. Anybody got some sympathy for Ananias? I got some sympathy for him. But here's what what does he do? He doesn't say, oh, never mind, God, I'm out. He takes his fear and concern, and he brings it to the Lord. He says, ooh, okay, okay, wow. I didn't really realize that that was the assignment, God. Let's just run this back again. Now, you know who Saul of Tarsus is, right, God? And you know, so he's presenting it to him. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we're afraid to be honest with God and we get stuck because we feel like, well, I just have to put a smile on my face and pretend. Can I just tell you something? That doesn't work. That actually makes you bitter and resentful. Can we just be honest? 
we kind of put the sweet Sunday school face on. Oh, well, praise the Lord, you know. And the truth is, we're scared or we're upset or we're hurt. And Ananias is a disciple. He's made himself available. But he goes to the Lord and is like, God, this is scary. Can I just tell you something today? You're not a bad person if you're scared. You're not a bad person if you're not sure. Just don't hold on to that and get ruled by fear. Submit it to the Lord. Be honest with God. Be honest with Him. But the truth is this. Some of us have been in circumstances or grew up in churches or ministries where we were basically told that you were wrong or bad to have a question or that you were a sinner if you just didn't know everything automatically. How are we supposed to know unless we ask a question? If you don't know, here's a strange idea, ask, right? It's okay. Even the scriptures say, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask. It's okay to ask. You're not a bad person if you have a question. We just say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm in, but I'm nervous and I'm not sure. He's not mad at you for that. As a matter of fact, I think it demonstrates you actually have a heart to honor him if you'll just tell him the truth. How about, how about we know this? He already knows our thoughts, right? Psalm 139, he knows our thoughts, so we don't do fine by just being like, okay, great, that's a great, 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 good, 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 you know? We can just be honest, and we can trust him. St. Augustine said it this way, God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason, but the very limits of our reason make faith a necessity. God gave you a brain, and he's not, he's not offended that you use it. He just doesn't want us to rely on it. We then take those thoughts and say, okay, God, I'm processing all of this. Now, Lord, what, what do you say? What should I do? It's okay to not be sure. Just give that uncertainty to the Lord instead of running from him and hiding from him. And we hide in different ways. Sometimes we hide with a smile on our face and say everything's fine. Right, And sometimes we hide by getting bitter, fearful, resentful, like God doesn't care. He'd, why would God do this to me? No, no, let's just ask him. Let's just bring it to him. And Ananias knew the Lord well enough to just be open and honest. And if we're going to be grace in action, like Ananias, like Ub Iwerks was to Walt Disney, right? We may not know Ananias' name. We may not know Ub Iwerks, but we've still benefited from the fruit of their yes and I'm telling you, God wants us to be that grace in action. And when we do, it makes a difference. The fourth thing I want to draw out today is that Ananias obeyed God wholeheartedly. Let's look at verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. This is weighty. Listen to what God is saying. Go. This Saul that you're scared of, Paul, he's an instrument of mine. Verse 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Verse 17, here's the clincher. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately 
he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Look at this again. Verse 17, He departed and he entered the house. Ananias obeyed wholeheartedly. He had his concerns, his questions, had his, he, had his, he had his fears and doubts. He presented them to God. But when God said, it's time, he's like, let's go. And Ananias didn't just get close and, you know, kind of whistle from the tree outside, you know. Like, you know, Saul, you in there? Oh, okay, sorry, I came by, no one's there, you know. I mean, he really, he goes into the house and lays his hands on Saul. Now, remember, this is still terrorist guy. This is still the guy that Ananias was like, like, oh, God, are you serious? Are we really doing this? But once he had resolved in his heart, I'm a disciple. I'm going to make myself available. I've got my fears and concerns, but I'm going to bring them to you, God. But if you say go, then it's time to go. And he fully went in. He didn't say, now you still blind? You know, he didn't do one of those. He just, I just, I know God told me, and he lays his hands, and what does he say? Brother. Man, think about this. This is the guy that has killed their friend Stephen. This is the guy that is threatening everyone's family and security. And here's what Ananias knows. If this doesn't go well, I'm the reason that everyone gets arrested. Because now... Saul will know where we are because I just showed up and said, hey, I've got this vision from God that I'm supposed to help you. This doesn't go, are you feeling this? This doesn't go well. It's all on Ananias. Like, let that sit for a second. And Ananias still says yes. But because he does, the scales fell from Saul's eyes He is discipled by the very believers in Damascus he was coming to persecute. He stays for several days. They train him. They teach him. And then what happens? Immediately, Saul, who we call Paul, now goes out and begins to proclaim that Jesus is the Lord. Because a guy named Ananias said yes. And most of us don't know his name. And the fact that we don't know his name doesn't mean anything on the impact of what he did. And this is the encouragement and challenge to all of you. I don't know where you are in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you're still kicking the tires, not exactly sure. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus your whole life. And maybe you feel sidelined, you feel a little bit forgotten, you're not fully sure. People don't, you know, there's not this big thing with your name on it as it relates to ministry or whatever else. Can I tell you something? None of that is a prerequisite for being God's grace in action. I'm telling you, two-thirds of your New Testament would not exist had a man named Ananias not simply been a disciple who made himself available who put himself in a fearful place and told the Lord his honest fears and still said, yes, God used him. And we, 2,000 years later, are still reaping the benefit of one person's yes, whose name we haven't even remembered very well. And this is the last point I want to make today, but it's really the only point. Ananias was an expression of God's grace. I'll read you a quote. I'm going to back up uh, and read this quote to you that sets this up. Craig Lounsborough said this, Undoubtedly, our weariness is not based on the fact that we're running, 
Rather, our weariness is all too frequently based on the fact that many of the things we're running from are the very things we should be running to. If we're going to be God's grace in action, the best place that shows up is in really messy, scary circumstances. Just going to be honest. I wish it was easier than that. But Ananias' yes to God changed the world, and it was scary, and he had to step into that. And the truth is, a lot of our testimonies, the grace of God showed up to us in the middle of our mess. And here's what I want to encourage you today. It's kind of cool. We were shaking hands early. The first person I met was a person named Grace. I was like, man, how cool is this, right? On a day talking about grace, if we are going to be grace in action, the best place we can be is in the midst of a mess or in the midst of a fire. Ananias was God's grace in action. And here's what I believe. I can't prove this, but I feel pretty convinced. When Saul from Tarsus, who we know as Paul, heard God speak and God said, I'm sending a guy named Ananias and he's going to pray for you. You know, I'm wondering what Saul's thinking. Saul's probably thinking, you know, these people know who I am. They know I'm a terrorist. They know what I've done. And when he hears the word Ananias, that may not mean a whole lot to us. It's a Greek name. But remember, these are Jewish people. Ananias wouldn't have been the name his mama would have given him as a good Hebrew woman. She would have named him the Hebrew equivalent, which is Hananiah. And when God spoke to Saul and said, I'm sending a Hananiah to you, Saul who is a Pharisee who knows the law very well, would have remembered the most famous Hananiah in all of Scripture. It's a person you know as well, but you didn't know his name was Hananiah because most of us grew up knowing about the three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel that were thrown into the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys went to vacation Bible school. I'm so proud of you, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego what we forget is that's not their Hebrew names. That's their Babylonian names. The scriptures in Daniel chapter 6 tell us what their Hebrew names were. Guess what Shadrach's name was? Hananiah. You know what Hananiah means? The Lord is gracious. When God sent Ananias, he was sending grace dressed in skin to a person in the middle of a mess but God knew he could trust Hananiah to be his grace in physical form. Can I tell you something today? That is the call on every single one of our lives. We are to be God's grace with skin on to our neighbors, to the person you're sitting beside. We pray, we ask God for breakthrough, we ask him for his mercy, and he is so awesome to provide it. But can I tell you, more often than not, God's grace in your life is going to look like the person sitting close to you. Because they're going to come alongside and say, man, Pastor Adam, what an exciting thing for you guys to have your little girl, and what a crazy, difficult, scary encounter. just want you to know, what, what, what do you need, bro? What do you need? And God's grace shows up in action.
Sometimes we over-spiritualize it, guys. I know we're in church. We're supposed to be spiritual. I am spiritual. But can I tell you something? Sometimes we over-spiritualize it. You want to be God's grace in action? See a need, meet a need. I mean, amen, okay? Like, that, that is it. Well, I don't even know what to say. Okay, put a hand on someone's shoulder. I'm so sorry. That's the best you got? Let me just tell you something. Our p- people are lonely and scared and not doing okay. I told somebody, we, we do Shabbat at my house on Friday nights, and we order uh, some challah bread every week from the same bakery. And uh, we walked into the bakery, and they were just stressed out to the max. And the lady that was there, she was just telling me how stressed she was. And I, I wasn't trying to be profound. I just said, I just want you to know, you guys do the most wonderful job. I love coming here every week. She stopped with tears in her eyes. That's all I said, okay? I don't think that was very impressive. I'm just going to be honest with you. Tears in her eyes says, you just made my day. Two things came to my heart. First of all, praise God. Second, that made your day? I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but like how low is the bar, right? I'm telling you, you can trip over this thing if you'll just let God use you. Grace in action All we have to do is say, hey, thank you. Hey, I see you today. We can go a step further. Hey, how can I pray for you? Guys, I mean, this is baseline stuff. But if we'll be disciples, if we'll make ourselves available, and when we're nervous and scared, like, God, I don't know what to do, then just say, Lord, I don't know what to do. (laughs) That's okay. And then trust that the Lord will give you the what to do. And then step out in wholehearted obedience. And when you do, I'm just going to tell you, you will be grace in action. You will be the ministry of God to others. So here's my question to you as we take a minute to pray. Can God minister his grace through you this week? Can he do it? Will you let him? I'm telling you, he can. He's God. So my question is, will you let him? How do we do that? Well, let's take a step towards committing to be a disciple of Jesus. Let's go beyond belief and let's come into discipline and say, okay, Lord, I know it's a good idea to be used by you, but I actually want to be used by you. Make yourself available to God. That can be as simple as, all right, Lord, I'm going into the office today. Would you highlight one person to me? that I can speak to and just give an encouraging word. If you start there, well, that doesn't sound very profound. It doesn't have to be profound. Let's start there. We can continue to build. And then we're working on words of knowledge and speak. That's awesome. But let's just start somewhere. And I'm telling you this week, not a year from now, not when you memorize 13 more scriptures. I'm talking about this week. How can I be God's grace? Make yourself available. Three, be honest with him. You don't feel equipped? You're not sure? Here's what you say. Lord, I don't feel equipped and I'm not sure, right? Okay, you think God doesn't know that? You can say that to him, but obey wholeheartedly. And when you do, I assure you of this. You will be God's grace to others in a way that will make a difference. You never know what fire you may be stepping into, but you just being willing will make all the difference in the world. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, I come and I just thank you for your 
words of life. I thank you for your challenge. We thank you so much for the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for his teachings. We thank you for his missions work that really sent the gospel to the nations and ultimately made its way to Huntersville, North Carolina. What a privilege. But God, I thank you for a man named Ananias that was just willing to say yes. And I pray today for every person in this room, God, that they would recognize they have a mission. They have a value. They have a purpose. And it's more than receiving amazing teaching here at Hope Covenant or sitting under this anointed worship. God, it's to go and be God's grace in action. And just where you are right now, if you're unsure of what that looks like or you feel that stirring in your heart but you, you're nervous or you're scared or you feel defeated or you feel like you tried and you failed and you say, Nathan, when you pray, would you pray for me? We just slip your hand up. You can put it right back down. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out in any sort of way. I just want to be praying for you. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I often feel the same. You're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus at all. You you, you, you're stirred, but you've never taken a step. And you say, Nathan, I, I'm ready to put my belief in action. I want to trust him with my life. And that's you. Would you just slip your hand and say, Nathan, when you pray, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to be in the game. I want to pray for you, and then Pastor Adam's going to give us some direction. But Father, I just pray right now for every person in this room that, God, they would have their hearts tuned to your voice. And that, Lord, they would be willing to say yes to you. God, take us beyond belief and bring us into discipleship. Lord, help us, Lord, to take a step towards you and make ourselves available. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that you may do more than we would ever dream if we would just be honest with you and then say yes and obey. And I pray for these today that lifted their hands and said, Nathan, I, I know there's more, but I feel like I've fumbled the ball or I feel too tentative or scared. I just pray for a Holy Ghost boldness to come on them today and encouragement. And Lord, that they would recognize they can start right where they are. It's not a one day when I learn more, one day when I know more, one day when I have. Lord, I thank you that today is the day and you lead us by your spirit and we'll trust you to do it in Jesus' holy name. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.